0: Well, we are back, back to school and whatever that looks like, wherever you are. And we're back to talk to you some more this year about the big ideas and the values from Core Essential Values. Um, I'm Leslie Bolser, I'm the creative director for Core Essential Values. And I'm here with my friend Beth, um, who I'm going to have introduce herself, but I'll tell you guys, she's gotten kind of famous since <laughs> her last time. We'll talk about that in a second. So, Beth, introduce yourself.
1: Yeah. So, I'm excited to be here. Um... What a, woo! what a year. Okay, so my name is Dr. Beth Trammell. I'm a licensed psychologist and associate professor of psychology at Indian University East, the director of the master's program in mental health counseling there, and the creator of MakeWordsMatterForGood.com, where I really focus on helping parents, teachers, caregivers to use um, our words for good, right? Um, we have power in our words, and... Sometimes we get it right. And, you know, if you're like me and my four kids at home, sometimes you don't. So um, we've had lots of practice in these last few months being together. So I'm excited about what this new year is going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, you said you're excited about this new year. I think there are people feeling lots of different emotions, excitement, maybe one anxiety and fear, certainly are some. Um, you know, those of us who are control freaks like me are having a <laughs> hard time with the unknown and the lack of certainty uh, in, in our future. So, I know I mentioned you've become famous. I know that you've been um, asked to do some TV appearances and, and speak about going back to school in the midst of this pandemic. So, I just wondered if you could talk about that a little bit. What have you been sharing with people just generally about the pandemic and going back to school when you've been asked to do these appearances?
1: yeah so a couple of things um, famous I don't know about, but um, I'm happy to be sharing some of some of my expertise uh, more broadly and love to uh, do as much as I can so you know a couple of things one, you know folks are really worried about the mental health of our of our kids right they're worried about the mental health of our students and what quarantine has done, what mental health issues may be coming up because of the Uh, kind of social isolation. But, you know, the thing I've been saying is that schools are only as effective as the physical and emotional health of their teachers. So if our teachers are overwhelmed, feeling undervalued, uh, underpaid, right, that we're making them do two or three times the amount of work of doing both virtual and in-person teaching – You know, that is not necessarily better for our kids. So we've got all these folks that are saying kids have to be back at school. Kids have to be back at school. And I do agree that school is an important part of a child's development. But school as we know it is not necessarily what they're going to get. So I am even more concerned about the mental health of our teachers because they're the real lifeline of the development of our kids and as we are thinking about the anxiety that we are feeling and maybe even that our kids are feeling i think we have to realize that the best response that we as parents can have to our child's anxiety is first to realize we've got to get our own anxiety in check first so we've got to take care of ourselves we've got to make sure that the narrative that we are sharing around them not even just to them but around them the narrative the things we're sharing Cannot be anxiety and fear-based messages. You may be a person who lives in fear. You may be a person who lives in this state of anxiety because there's a lot of things that, mm, there's a lot of things that could be um, fear-inducing right now. But at the heart of it is first you have to realize um, you got to take care of yourselves first and then we cannot try to fix our kids' anxiety. We have to lean in and just listen to what their anxiety is saying. So often our uh, first line of defense when our kids come to us and they're feeling anything, sad, happy, angry, anxious, our, def- our first defense is I'm going to fix it for you. And the unfortunate thing about anxiety and depression in our kids and our teens, especially, is when we try to fix it, We're doing the opposite of what we want. So anxiety and depression are often cognitively based. So it is a thought process that's stewing in your child, right? And they're thinking and they're thinking and they're thinking and the anxiety or the depression is is building in them. What, What they need is to release it by talking it out, right? And what we do when we try to fix it is we shut it down. So I encourage parents to say, gosh, you know, that sounds terrible. Tell me what else your brain is thinking about or tell me what else you might be worried about. So we're drawing it out instead of trying to fix it or shut it down. So those are a few of the things that I've been trying to share and i have done a few videos on my Facebook page that that folks can access or even on my website, I've shared some some things. But it's really a hard time for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. So, you know, we've talked several times here about the parents' relationship with the teacher mm. and how, you know, how to build healthy relationships with teachers and how to have healthy conversations with your kids at home about that teacher student relationship. Um, and I think, you know, some of what you were saying there at the beginning really leads into that. And that one of our, besides our own parenting skills with our kids and, and helping them with their anxiety and depression and, and their fear, uh, you know, a, another really important thing is, is to make, help maintain that relationship with the teacher and lift up what they're going through right now. Um, you know, I know as parents, we, we sometimes may have issues with things that are going on in the school, or we may have complaints, or we may have things that we don't like. And some people share those vocally, and some people just share those in their home. But this is a time where it's really important to check ourselves on that, um, and to just be as supportive as possible. I think because you're right; they're doing they're doing many more than one job <laughs> right yeah. now, and that that leads us into our, the first thing we want to talk about this month. the The focus this month, of the value this month, is actually three. It's the big the three big ideas that we um, sort of send all of our messaging, all of our values through the filter of these three big ideas. Um, and the first one is to treat others right. And so I think, you know, our, our relationship with the teachers and our, our thoughts and, and what we say about the teachers and staff and decision makers this year is really, really important. Um, as adults, but, but middle schoolers are, man, what a tough time to talk about treating others. Right.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) They're
0: they're figuring out how to treat themselves right and and how to treat their family. Right. So, you know, understanding that maybe kids aren't going to be around a whole lot of peers right now. Maybe they are Some are in school, some are not. How would you even talk about treating others right in this moment right now?
1: Yeah. I think what you said earlier too, is so important that we model that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the thing that, that, that I hear a lot of parents talk about is, you know, if, whether you're married um, or you're divorced or you're separated from, you know, the other parent, parents will often say, like, I don't ever say anything bad about their dad or their mom, right? They realize the importance of not bad mouthing or, or even saying anything negative about the other person. And, Sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. But at the heart of it, we realize we need to be supportive of our partner. It's the same with our kid's teacher. We are partnering with, your, with our kid's teachers to raise our children together. So you have to have that same mindset. Even if you're frustrated with, with your kid's teacher, even if they are not even the best teacher in the building, it is critical that our kids see us as a united partnership with both parents and with their teachers. So I think modeling treating others right starts with our relationship with the teacher and frankly, with the other people in our homes, the other people that our kids see us engage with, how do we behave after they leave? Let's say we have grandma and grandpa over. How do we talk about that visit? How do we get with them? So the first thing is how do they see us treating other people, right? And sometimes that means we have to be intentional about saying certain things. So sometimes we think kids just pick it up, but we might have to say, you know, hey, did you notice that I, I said to, to grandma, like, I, I forgive you for this? right? Sometimes we have to be really intentional about saying how we treated people, right? But I think sometimes we forget that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's really good stuff. Um, I was also thinking in there about how um, when we talk about the adults either in, in their presence or after their presence, I think that's a really good point. Sometimes we tend to analyze the situation as soon as someone leaves the room. And sometimes we do that in front of our kids and that that can really skew um not only the way that they treat other people based on our modeling, but also their opinion of that person, which which may have been really high, <laughs> and we yeah. to change that. I just think about how right now we. There, I just see a lack of giving other people the benefit of the doubt. Ugh. I feel like we just in so many situations we just jump to what has to be the worst part of that person.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and we go right. We go right for the jugular. <laughs> <I> so do <laughs> instead of just understanding that this time is tough for everyone Um, and that, you know, giving a teacher or giving a principal or a school decision maker, the benefit of the doubt um, is, can be really powerful, even though it sounds like a really small thing, it can be really powerful to just say to your kid, yeah, she's doing her best. He's doing his best.
1: Isn't that Um, what we all want, right? For people to judge us that way.
0: It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, when kids do go back to school, in whether they're in the building or when they're in the building, there are going to be policies in place um, to try to minimize the effects of, of the virus. And for some people, for very, very, very few people, those restrictions are going to be just right. Yep. But for most people, they're going to be way too restrictive or they're going to be not nearly restrictive enough and i think that's another place where we can check ourselves <laughs> mm-hmm. on that and to understand that 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 people are doing their best and they're making the best decisions that they can for our kids um and and what i've seen is school districts really giving parents a, a voice and a choice in that as well um so yeah it's tough times there's there's no doubt about it it's tough times and there's no easy easy thing to say um go ahead you i can see your face you want to say
1: something yeah well you know what you had said really really sort of reminded me that often our ability to give people the benefit of the doubt is directly related to our level of stress. Mm -hmm. So when we're not stressed or emotional, we can usually be rationally like, oh yeah, I mean, this is a hard situation, it's a hard decision. You know, We can give people the benefit of the doubt when we're not feeling quite as emotional. And the problem is right now, many of us are fighting a lot of emotions right? We're feeling a lot of stress. a feeling a lot of burden. And particularly if we are taking in a lot of the information that continues to change hour by hour, Yeah, it, it's like riding a wave. You know? It's like you get really attached to some piece of information that then just shifts really quickly. And so as you are um, kind of, I'm doing this like dance in my office. I know people can't see me, but you know, it's like, you're doing this dance with all of these emotions. And as you're doing all of that, it's hard to really see the truth. And so as, as we're thinking about this idea of giving people the benefit of the doubt, I'd encourage folks to just really take some, some big deep breaths to, to kind of recenter our level of stress and emotion. And that always helps us see things more clearly.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, So again, you've led us right into our next topic. So the second of the big three is to make smart decisions Mm -hmm. Um, and what better way to start making a big decision or a tough decision than by just taking a breath and taking a moment. Uh, How, how else do you suggest we talk to particularly adolescents about making smart decisions?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because parents are right now and have been for a while, um, Having to make hard decisions. So, you know, I think about the number of decisions that our teens and we have to make on a day to day basis, right? You wake up, you decide what you're going to wear. You wake up, you decide you're going to do your morning routine or you're not. You wake up, what are you going to have for breakfast? When you really think about all of the smart, uh, all the small decisions, right, you get an opportunity to practice in small ways, lots of smart decisions. And so, Talking explicitly with your kid about the number of smart decisions they make might help build some confidence when we have hard decisions and saying, look, sometimes it's not a clear uh, right or wrong answer. Those are actually the hardest ones. Those are the ones they need the most guidance and the most practice with. So sometimes it's sharing your process for making hard decisions with them. So show them how you went through a pros and cons list. Show them how um, you weighed all of these variables and, and how you weighted, how you weighted, how you gave weight to each part of, of how you made your decision. So I always talk about you know, having explicit conversation and I always talk about modeling. And I think this is true here too.
0: Yeah. You, uh, what a powerful thing to tie, like you did, smart decisions to confidence, Mm -hmm. Uh, because most big decisions, most difficult decisions require courage and confidence. Yeah. So building those on the small decisions that maybe don't have as much gravity or so much of a consequence, building that there will really help kids when it does have, when they need the courage and the confidence. That's really, that's good stuff. Um, And then the last of the three is maximize your potential. I think that um, as parents, we focus a lot when our kids are in middle school, high school range about their future, Mm -hmm. and we want to be able to set them up in the best way for their future. Uh, but I don't know how much time we always give to just really focusing on letting them build the skills that they need instead of just clearing a path.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, so how do we help our kids know what they're good at and then to build the skills of those things so that when they're on their own, they really can maximize the potential that they have.
1: I think that this is at the heart of most of our biggest fears. Mm, yeah. Right around the quarantine, around the pandemic, I think this is our biggest fear that we're like, oh my gosh, my kid is gonna lose all of his skills or her skills or I'm, I'm worried about their development, yada, yada, yada. And here's the real truth. They can be <laughs> developing all sorts of skills no matter where they are, no matter what is happening in the world. So the truth is to become a real good grown up, you gotta learn a whole bunch of stuff. You know, you got to learn how to live in a house with other people. You got to learn how to tolerate, uh, you know, frustration. You got to learn how to make macaroni and cheese or ramen or whatever it is, you know. So the thing is, what quarantine is doing is that it's kind of um, pushing us to be a little more creative and developing other skills in our kids that, Typically, they, they may be, maybe it's just an out of order sort of skill development. So I think it's realizing first that this may not be the end of it all <laughs> for, for our kids. And then really pondering, you know, what have you noticed is um, is kind of their natural strength, their natural gift, and how can I intentionally foster some of those things? and And maybe even... This might sound real cheesy, you know, but look up some adulting skills, you know? So what are some other things that I can help them do at home that will just continue to prepare them so that when it's time to kind of get back into whatever our new normal looks like, we can work on those other strengths too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. That's huge. Um, all right. Well, I think we've we've covered the big three. We've covered some some pandemic, some dealing with what's going on in the world right now. In this, anything else you think we should talk about this month before we move on?
1: Man, you know, I think as we talk about treating others right, making smart decisions, and maximizing our potential, I think it's just one more reminder that. This includes our relationship with other people and the way that we are giving grace to other people as they have been making decisions for their family. You know, all of us have opinions about the start of the school year and what that looks like and how it should happen, but really offering lots of grace and respect for other people as they have been, you know, turmoiling over all of these decisions the way we have to.
0: All right. So we've talked about parenting through the pandemic and treating others right, making smart decisions and maximizing your potential. We've talked about a lot of stuff, Beth. Yeah. We covered a lot today. Um, Anything else you think we should mention before we leave? Are we about ready to sign off? Uh,
1: You know, I think we did a good job. Yeah. I think we got it all
0: covered. Yeah. That's it. This is probably our last podcast because we covered everything.
1: Totally. We don't need to talk anymore.
0: (laughs) We're done. Anyway, if you would like to reach out to us, there are several ways you can do that. For Core Essentials to find me, you can look at coreessentials.org. That's our website. And there's a blog there where you can keep up to date on things that are changing uh, in our curriculum and then things that we offer for parents as well. Uh, And Beth, how can folks find you?
1: Yeah. So the best place really is to find me uh, on my website at makewordsmatterforgood.com. I've written a book um, called Make Words Matter, straightforward, logical parenting to take your kid from frustrating to connecting and listening. And uh, following on Facebook is always great because Facebook is the main um, way that I connect with folks. Lots of posts, lots of tips. I do um, kind of weekly videos and stuff. And that is MWM, Make Words Matter, MWM Kids on, uh, on Facebook. So I'd love to have uh, anyone want to join there. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll be back next month. Next month.